Welcome to Know Your Risk Radio on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. Know Your Risk Radio is hosted by Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Know Your Risk Radio is brought to you by Bulwark Capital, helping families navigate the ever-changing and often volatile markets. Know Your Risk Radio starts now. Here's your host, Zach Abraham. And we are back. Thank you so much for joining us for yet another of the most scintillating hours in finance radio. And got a great show planned for you today. I was joking with the people on the three-minute warm-up there, up there at uh, 770 KTTH. The, the, The maiden, the flagship, if you will, the first first radio station that we did the show at. And what I was explaining to them was that I, I of all the show, and I'm, and I'm trying to think, there may be an exception, maybe, you know, and, and, and putting personal things aside, I'm sure, I've, you know, I've gone through personal things while doing the show where, if, you know, certain things, I, I think of the passing of Dory Monson, that was, that was a tough show to do. Uh, so, so putting outside personal things like that, um, I think this was one of the hardest shows to put together. And, the reason it's hard to put together, and, and just so you guys know, you guys have listened to us, you know, if you've been listening, you've been you've been hearing us say, look, this is crazy, but don't be surprised if it doesn't keep running. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I just, and, and, and the reason why you say, you know, and the reason that's our attitude, and we've talked about this on the show at pretty great length, is that when things detach from... And, and it's, you know, it's true in many parts of life, right? When correlations break down, you don't think of a marriage. It's a long correlation. You know, it can break down. It's called a divorce. When things break down, uh, when correlations break down, they can break down much more widely than anticipated. You know, my, my, uh, I, even sitting here talking to you guys, it's hard to get your head around it, um, you're just watching correlations. And when I say correlations, I mean things that should move in directions together. Maybe they have an inverse correlation, right? Like think of the dollar and oil, right? Dollar up, oil down. Dollar and oil have been positively correlated. Dollar's having a really great day today again. Oil's up 2.6%. Dollar and oil have been positively correlated, right? Um, look at profits and, and multiples, right? Uh, Apple posting its worst run of four quarters in history, and that is what has propelled it. That and substantially higher interest rates have propelled it to an all-time high and an all-time high valuation. Um, just the DAX, the German German stock exchange, skyrocketing, despite the fact that Germany's putting up some of the worst economic numbers we've seen in the last 15 years, maybe even longer. And 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 unequivocally entering recession. Uh, now the DAX has not performed like the Nasdaq or anything like that, but the euro is breaking down, right? And the DAX is going up. People are like, well, that's because it's going. No, no, it, the euro going down from here doesn't help them, right? Because the places that buy their stuff, like China, right, in the U.S., <laughs> right, we got serious problems. And the biggest thing they export are automobiles, and I think we all know the story there. It 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 really it really is remarkable, um, but we'll save that. I'm 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 kind of skipping ahead already to the up is down. What what happened on <clears throat> on the update for this week? Um, just more crazy moves. Like today, you, the Russell index is leading. The indexes are up. I think the S and P's up like 0.35. Nasdaq's up half a percent again. Uh, Dow just a whisper below its all time high. I think it's like half a percent. Uh, NASDAQ still about five or six percent away from its all-time high. S&P, I think about two or three percent away from its all-time high. Um, <laughs> and, and multiples just blowing out. Um, and why that's fascinating today is, remember, it, it was only a month ago when higher interest rates, or, or or maybe it was even less than that, where higher interest rates meant lower stock prices, and the Russell would get hit harder than any of the other indexes, and for good reason, because they've got the worst balance sheets, they've got a lot of companies that need to roll their debt, 
you got quote, and we'll get to the quote unquote strong jobs report that came out today. Um, it wasn't strong. I'll just kind of, I'll kind of, you break the, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll just put it out there lightly. It wasn't strong. It wasn't horrible either. Um, it's just amazing to me, this powerful economy narrative where there is nothing supporting it. Just not everything's moving in the opposite direction. And we continue to see it. Um, and maybe it stops, you know, that that's the other thing. I, I've just never seen anything like this. I, I, you can't observe. And when I say I've never seen anything like it, I don't mean just while I was, you know, managing money. I mean, there is no comp in history to compare to this. You've never seen multiple expansion like this in the face of interest rate hikes like this. You've never seen markets perform like this with volatility this low when you narrowly avoided a a regional uh, banking crisis earlier in the year. Uh, You've never seen markets move like this while total bank lending is actually going negative. Um, It, 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 it isn't just – this isn't a case of where like we have a bad outlook for the economy you know, and we think bad things are about to happen and stock markets are disobeying right, and going the other way. Because when that happens – and I've had that happen to me before um, where you had a bad outlook on an economy and then – you know, the market just kept and then and then usually what you found out, because you know, you gotta listen to the market. And I've learned that, you know, that's an important lesson I've learned over time, which is, you know, typically speaking, historically speaking, the market's looking out ahead, and we can get too caught up looking at what's in front of us right now and not thinking about, you know, where things are headed. And that's <laughs> that is the most confusing part of this ebullient market because um if you get outside of the rhetoric right if if you get outside of the market cheerleaders and the people that you know the people that are talking their book and I, and I think we all do to an extent but you know especially for the purpose of the show we try to pull back and look at things through a through a clear logical lens and not let our own positioning or what we want to happen or what we think should happen or what we think is just, right? That's why we come up with that term financial justice warrior, meaning the market is not just. It smashes everybody uh, at different times for different reasons. That's the only sense of a way a market markets are just, meaning everybody eventually gets their due. But for long periods of times, right? They don't care about you. They don't need to make sense. Um, <laughs> this is putting a new. It's just amazing. And, and we've been talking about this a long time. It's just amazing to watch companies whose revenues, earnings, margins, everything going down, discount rates soaring, bank lending, all these negative things happening. Now, let, let's take a step back. Do I think that we're looking at a scenario where an economy or a market that deserved to be down another 20 to 30% this year? No, I think that would have been excessive. I don't think that makes sense, especially when you look at financials and financial results, right? I understand, and I know that frustrates some people because there's people out there, you know, have very bearish views. Um, <clears throat> you know, I'll, I continue to maintain we're not uber bearish. We're just sitting there going, Okay, I think we got a recession coming. Uh, not the end of the world. Um, I think we probably already started it, truthfully. And the funny thing is, is that it's it's well, you know, for a while it was well, the Fed's got to cut rates. Then you get a jobs report like today that wasn't that strong, but was. It was strong enough to hold the Fed's hand. The Fed can't cut rates with inflation here and the jobs market where it currently is. They can't. Okay, they'll just reignite inflation. And and that's that's the crazy thing about looking at this market right now is even when it rallies, it rallies for reasons that aren't good for it, right? Meaning 
you know, the whole reason behind this, well, it's, you know, soft landing, blah, you know, just this, this nonsensical stream and narrative about the Fed for the first time in history is going to architect the perfect deceleration of inflation. The market is going to continue to go up because it's pricing in future rate increases or rate cuts. We're going to avoid recession and then it's just off and running on the next bull market. And that scenario has never played out in the history of finance before, ever. Not to mention with the extreme factors we have in play today. And so watching the multiple expansion in the face of all this, that's what's so, that's what's so mind numbing. And then you add in this incredible appetite for risk taking when the risk free rate is the highest it's been in 16 or 17 years. I, I just, and that's what made it really hard to put a show together for you today. I don't really know what to tell you. I don't really know what to think of it ourselves. We're sitting there watching earnings per share because analysts are coming alongside of us now. The earnings per share projections for next year keep on coming down. Why? Because of the LEIs, the leading economic indicators, right? The, 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 the continued unemployment claims continuing to climb. Just all these things pointing, again, it's not devastation. We're not predicting economic Armageddon or anything like that. You're just sitting there going, eh, this is an economy moving in the wrong way. Then you look at stock market and you go, whoa, whoa. And so I'm left to sit here and think, you know, if you go too much further, now going into this, I, I said to our clients, going into this in, it, it, toward the end of 2021, to be fair, I said to our clients, I said, guys, buckle up. And a lot of them go, well, what do you mean? And I said, look, I think this cycle's over and they're great. Oh, it's about time. Things will get, you know, we're like, hold on, hold on. Um, we think this cycle's over, meaning the real economic drivers of it are over. And we've said this on, you know, I've, 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 I've talked about this before, but just be clear. Uh, but I, I don't think that the fight is over. And I went on to explain to our clients and I said, look, I think that by positioning that way and getting more conservative and getting more defensive in the way that we're positioned, again, I, I want you to hear what I'm saying. We are not short now. We have not been net short at any point this year. Um, we have been hedged at times, which wasn't fun. But, you know, we're not, again, it's not just me sitting there saying, you know, we own stocks less than we did a year and a half ago. Um, but we own stocks. We're not, you know, we're, again, we're, uh, our positioning matches perfectly with what we're telling you. We don't think there's economic Armageddon on the way. We just think we're in, you're, you know, as you're, you're, you're in, I just think you, it, it's you've either started already in retrospect in my in my eyes or the you know based on the data we're looking at or you're going to start shortly uh probably in q1 of this year next year um it's just the multiple expansion is the toughest thing to get your head around because that's just you just there's nothing there there's nothing there and you're watching this just get insane you take a company like lululemon who i actually really like uh actually doing a really good job they're, they're trading at 65 70 times profit they make yoga pants trading at nine times revenue. Now, again, we can play the valuation game and I can keep bringing up more obscene. I'm just saying it's going everywhere. The market is pricing in an economic boom, an economic explosion. We're literally, you're not looking at the opposite again, because I don't think we're looking at Armageddon. Everything's pointing in the opposite direction. Everything and it, and there's nothing, there's no there there. And and you know this is one of those kind of esoteric philosophical times where you got to sit back and go, you know what does this mean? And 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 guys, to be a disciplined, um, to be a to be a disciplined, smart investor, I think these times, you know, people always say it's how you act in down markets. I, I disagree. Well. You know, I do it for a living, so it's a little bit different for me. Navigating markets that are really beat up and are getting hammered, that's much easier. It's much easier because what are you looking at? You're looking at lower valuations, and you can always find babies that have been thrown out with the bathwater. Um, 
navigating a market like this that continues to separate. And again, I'm not the arbiter of what fair price is. Okay. I'm not the single arbiter that should tell you what multiple the stock market should be trading at. I'm just sitting back and looking at these things and going, look, listen, when you start losing money and the discount rate doubles in 12 months, you, your multiple should not go up 50%. <laughs> it's not worth more. It just isn't. The market and the idiots in the market might pay more for it because you've got record retail involvement and record dumb money running around the market and the passive investment and all, you know, all the different things, passive investment flows and all the different things we're talking about. But the bottom line is you've got a mispriced asset, meaning the price doesn't make sense, right? And we talked about this on previous shows about earnings yields. That's how you know another way. You're going to go pay up for a Microsoft at these prices at a 2.1% earnings yield when you can get a risk-free rate of return at five. Hope it works for you because it never has. I'm sure there's one-off scenarios in the past where it's worked, but you get what I'm saying. And that's and that's what made doing the show today so hard as you continue. Like I said, even today, you watch rates ripping, the Russell's leading the way. And those are kind of those earmarks. Like you don't want to pick one in day, but that's kind of one of those earmarks because if rates are going up or when the threat of rates going up even more is there, the Russell should be getting drilled or it should be substantially underperforming the other indexes. Why? Because it's so vulnerable to having to roll debt at higher rates. It's just so vulnerable. And and you, there's this me, then there's these memes going around, right? We live in a meme driven world. We, well, these companies have already rolled their debt. No, they haven't. That's total BS. Go look at corporate issuance last year. They haven't rolled anything. I mean, maybe the highest quality companies that could have at lower rates already did. But a lot of these other companies didn't. They can't. And they need, they can't, you know, there's a lot of these companies that could probably put off, you know, one thing you can say for Apple or like a Google or something like that, they don't have to raise more debt at all. They don't need to. So it's probably not going to impact them much. That being said, it doesn't make their companies more valuable, right? But I'm not even saying they're the most absurd. I'm just using those examples because everybody knows them. You look at the Russell, and, and and it made sense. As rates go higher, the Russell should get absolutely obliterated. People are like, well, rates have pulled back. No, not not to the not to the point where it isn't like not in any significant way for the Russell 2000 index. Not in any significant way for any of the indexes. Rates are where they were. I mean, you had a little pop up. Rates are effectively where they were a month and a half ago. It's just amazing to watch this market continue to build momentum and steam to the upside when there's just nothing there. I, there's no reason. You know, you go through the stuff today, rates higher, dollar higher, uh, oil higher. Stocks love it and Russell leading the way. It's, it's just unbelievable. And what you have to start thinking about now, and just so you guys know, this is not a base case. But what you have to start thinking about, you know, I've seen markets before that go up no matter what all the time. And I am not equating. And remember, this isn't just happening in the U.S. Like I said, it's kind of nowhere near to the degree, but it's happening in, in Europe, too, to some extent. Europe is going into recession and their stock market loves it. And we're trying to wrap our hands around what that means. And we'll get into this. In the third segment we do today, which is want to play the counterpoint, right? Which I think is so important in investing where you take the counter of your own argument and try to shoot holes in your argument, right? The the name of the, right. It's one of the toughest things to do in investing because no matter how much we all talk about it, emotions play a role. They do with me. There's, there's times where I get frustrated and you cannot trade angry and you cannot trade frustrated. And I'll have to get up and leave the office and go for walks just to calm down and pull myself together, right? Um, so, so, you know, if you're in those shoes, if you're in those shoes, just remember the money doesn't get emotional with you. You just gotta, you gotta calm down. If you're one of those people sitting there going, "Oh, this is why you can't time markets," we're not trying to time markets for God's sake. <laughs> What we're doing is we're sitting there saying, look, there are prices that you can charge for assets that we are not going to pay. 
Okay, You can call that timing markets all you want. Go ahead and accuse Warren Buffett or every great money manager in history of trying to time markets because being discerning about the price you pay is never the wrong move. Okay, And if your investment thesis is on ever-expanding multiples, good luck with that. Now, the other thing that you've got to start entertaining though and we'll get into this more on 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 when we're when we're discussing taking the flip side of our argument but i've seen markets go up every single year despite horrible economic news they were in third world countries that were dealing with hyperinflation and i am not at all saying that's what i think is happening i'm saying that you i think that you have to start entertaining the idea that maybe markets are sniffing that out I don't think that's what's happening, but this is what I'm trying to explain to you is when you're looking at what is currently going on in the economy and then you look at the stock market, that is how big the schism is. It is so much wider and crazier than it was in 07. It is so much wider and crazier than it was in 99 across the board. It's a mix of every crazy bubble we've seen in our lives to to a to a, a more intense degree. And so what you got to start doing is you got to start saying is this just an idiot bubble or is there something real going on? I don't think there is. I can't see any evidence of it. And we'll get into that more. And why do I say there's evidence of it because you just like growing a crop, you need fertilizer for, you know, a new economic surge or a new economic wave of growth or something like that. And just like in nature, right? You you have the rainy seasons, you have the unpleasant times. You got to burn the thickets off, right? And that's what you know. You you, you 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 the fire comes through and creates char. You know, reduces things down, and that's what creates the fertilizer for the soil, right? You you have to have cycles, and it's it's really hard. You've never ever had the beginning of a new economic cycle. With the S&P trading at 26 times earnings, uh, LEIs all headed south, housing at record in affordability, in affordable rates, right? You just record consumer debt. You've just never had, the, you, you just don't, you don't have the, uh, you, you, you don't have the tinder for that fire. You don't have the soil to grow those crops. And and it, it now you've got deficit spending out the ear. And this is why I was saying if your argument was economically, you could sort of go sideways. I could get that. I disagree. I'll take the other side of the argument just because I think there's too much debt. And I think that the impact of interest rates is just now hitting because you had to burn through the excess savings rate from all the stimulus and all the PPP loans and all that kind of garbage. But I mean, I'm just telling you boots on the ground, you know, out there with the private company I'm on the board of. I, I just I. Talking to large companies, Fortune 500 companies, talking to construction companies. I just cannot find anybody that is preaching a story that matches up with the stock market moves. So we're going to go into that in the next segment. More of up is down. I want to just go through it. I think it's fascinating and I think everybody needs to be aware of it. And then in the next segment, I want to I want to play it from the other side and question our own thesis and say, hey, we've been wrong this year about market moves. Let's try to entertain the other side and let's see if we can maybe get behind it. Now, we got to take a quick break. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. This is Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham. Listen to Zach uncover the truth about the financial markets with simple and honest advice to help you plan for retirement. Get your free copy of Zach's new booklet, Common Sense Investing. Go to knowyourriskradio.com. How many times in recent memory has your financial advisor not reacted to current events and also not made a change in your investment portfolio? Now, think about all the volatile events during that time that have threatened your retirement. That's Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Todd, we talk about it all the time. Risk management. It's our number one focus. We actively manage every portfolio daily, looking for opportunities to lower risk, lower cost, and give you as much upside as possible. 
Let us show you how Bulwark's risk management strategy can protect that retirement you've worked so hard for. This is exactly why you need Zach and Bulwark Capital in your corner. You only get one retirement. Learn how Bulwark does it with their free common sense investing guide. Call 866-779-RISK or simply go to knowyourriskradio.com. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Tech Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, so today is like it's like a self-help session, right? It's like a, it's like a therapy session for all of us. Uh, and as I mentioned in the market update, this was one of the toughest shows that I've ever had to put together because uh, – <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, especially as a guy that's advocating risk management and fundamentals and all this kind of stuff. I'm having to continually remind myself to stay intellectually curious because, um, rather than it just blowing your mind and frustrating the heck out of you on a daily basis, which I've had all of those, this has by far been the most frustrating year of my my profession w- without question. Why it's been so frustrating is we didn't really it 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 was it's not frustrating because what we didn't and I've mentioned this before it's it's not frustrating because what we thought would happen didn't it's not frustrating because we bet we really came into this year kind of just flat meaning we weren't short we weren't really long just kind of just sitting in the middle you know and and thank God we didn't dig in our heels on the short side that would have made it even a more fun year um but just because you know you're kind of in a holding pattern where the growth of the economy has really slowed. Everybody's like, Oh, did you see Q3? It's already gone. Go look at the fed Atlanta. Now cat. We've talked about that till we're blue in the face. People keep parroting that around. Here's the other way, you know, just go through company earnings. If you're really growing at a nominal rate of 8%, where's the revenue growth? It's just not there. And, and, and I, I continue to believe that that's somewhat of an anomaly that is being created by understating inflation. Um, and we'll see, though. We'll, you know, we'll see. We'll that'll get ferreted out eventually. But up is down, and there's always going to be a contingent of people. One of the things I've learned about putting yourself out there in a uh, public forum, no matter what you're saying, no matter how sound it is, you're going to have people take pot shots at you because they're not the ones on the radio or they're not the ones on the platform. It just it, it is what it is. So I'm I'm used to that. But this isn't us crying in our soup. This isn't us. Um, you know, we we came into this year thinking that we would see tepid growth, if not slight contractions. The nominal rate of growth has been a little bit higher than we thought. But again, you got to balance that with the I, – I think it's pretty obvious. And again, I, this isn't a conspiratorial thing, okay? I, I just think it's pretty obvious. It should be obvious to anybody out there that, that inflation – not in a nefarious way. I, I, look, and for those of you out there, listen to me. Joe Biden is not influencing the inflation numbers, okay? I, that's not at all what I'm saying. And if that's what you think I'm saying or that's what you think, you know, I could probably argue with you for five hours about why I think you're wrong. I, I don't think that this is some kind of conspiracy by the Biden administration or Janet Yellen or anything like that. I, I just think that the way that economics has developed in this country and the way that they've done season, seasonal adjusting in the inflation numbers and the way that they've done hedonic adjustments, and we've talked about this with inflation before, I just think inflation has become materially understated. And when and and when I look at the when I look at the market and I look at the economy this year, that seems to be the thing that fits the best, right? Occam's razor, right? When you're seeing on an inflation adjusted basis revenues and earnings negative, now not on a nominal basis, they went they were they're up a little bit, but you know this surge that we've seen over the last several years coming out of COVID, it's over. It's over. Rates are way up. You know, all these other factors deteriorating and markets trying to rip back to that same level, it, it, it's, it's just remarkable. And when I say earnings and revenues up, I'm talking on the S&P 500. You go look at the Dow this year, earnings and revenues are not up. I don't believe so. I got to go, ch- go check that number, but I don't believe so. One of the biggest reasons is the biggest Dow component is Apple. But, you know, other, it's, it's just remarkable. So – Earnings, you know, if company posts multiple quarters of falling earnings, 
You'd usually think that'd make a stock go down. That does not. There's another, there's another up is down. We talked about rates being up all of a sudden now in the last month and a half, this, this pretty wild too. November, the month of November, um, you saw one of the greatest performances in a month for asset prices, stock market in history. And that's when, that's when economic data really started to fall off a cliff. And people are like, oh, well, yeah, but that's because rate cuts are coming. And I'm like, oh, my God, would you guys please go research any other economic cycles? Just like the lag effects take time to hit when rates are going up, they take time to hit when rates are going down. And rates have to go down substantially before they're financially impactful to anybody. Okay, that is a fact. That's not an opinion. So rates pulling down from the 10-year pulling off a yield of where, I mean, where did we start the year on the 10-year? Where we started, like three and a quarter? So you're going to try to tell me that with the financial performance you've seen this year, remember, more than 50% of companies that posted missed on revenue. Well, they hit on earnings. Everybody can hit on earnings for a quarter or two, for God's sake. Everybody, it's called window dressing, man. I mean, they, I mean, come on. And just, and all you got to do is ask yourself, wait a second, inflation up, interest rates up, revenue down, and their profits are up? How to think about that? Labor costs up, input costs up, material costs up, cash a cap, cost of capital up, everything up, revenue down, and you're still beating on earnings. Interesting. Interesting. And again, I'm not saying it's fraudulent. Window dressing for a quarter or two, there's things you can move around. I'm just saying, if you really want to look at the trend, especially when you're seeing a turn happen in a market, you don't look at the earnings numbers, you look at the revenue numbers. That's what, that's what, that's what leads the way. That's the, what you want to pay attention to. Just because the earnings numbers are so easy to, not for a long, you know, not for an extended period of time, but over a quarter or two, they're just easy to gin up. Uh, let's see, what else do we have? Here's another one. And we talked about this on last week's show, but I want to reiterate this. And this is just to me a perfect example of the world that we're currently living in, right? Which is memes and tropes and gifts and all that other kind of stuff. That stuff is taken over for reality, right? So uh, this week, home builder stocks broke out to new all-time highs. As housing data has continued to deteriorate, number of new homes sold has continued to deteriorate, has started to deteriorate. It's moving down. House prices moving down. Not horribly, right? We're just saying it, it's just, and again, it's not one or two things, right? Markets can do bizarre things for periods of time. That's why you can't overreact to stuff. You know, you can't sit there on one day and be like, well, rates are up, stocks are supposed to go down. Yeah, well, yeah, generally speaking, but it's a one-day movement, right? It's just a one. And I'm not saying, but just you look at this trend and you're going, now, I mean, go look at DR Horton's numbers as they make a new all-time high. Go look at it. They posted record revenue last quarter and had a big decline in earnings. What does that tell you? Now, I haven't broken their stuff down. I haven't gone through it piece by piece, but it's not a horrifically complex company. Usually, that's because... You're trying to unload inventory off your books, and so you're taking a slightly less than you know, a slightly less price than you were taking in previous quarters. Okay, now maybe there's a one-off in their books. I read through the, I I looked through their numbers. I didn't read through the financials, so maybe somebody out there has an explanation. And if I hear it, I'll bring it to you. The more BS and the more nonsense is in your numbers, the better your stuff is doing. And I'm not saying BS is in fraud. Again, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the more inflated your stock price is and the bigger conflict that is with your current run rate, like revenues and earnings, the better you're performing this year. It really is an up or down. And the whole, well, then you go back to the housing though. Well, of course they're going. There's just a, there's a shortage in housing. Rates have to come down next year, which is going to improve it. And there's a shortage in housing. There isn't a shortage in housing. It's a complete lie. It's complete nonsense. And I'm going to upset a lot of people out there. Because there's a lot of really credible people that are out there parroting. It's not true. There isn't a housing shortage. There's a shortage of homes for sale. Because so many disparate places, you know, corporations are out there buying up city blocks of houses still. 
I think he saw almost like record corporation buying of homes or something like that in the last quarter or two. Or, or, or they made up a record number of homes bought or something like that. Airbnb, all there. But, but guys, housing supply is housing supply is housing supply. Right? If, if, if your goal is to build enough homes for everybody that wants one and you're not going to take any of those inventories from the people that have loaded up, you know what you're talking about? You're talking about sowing the seeds for a deflationary collapse. You're talking about structurally overbuilding out. People go, we've underbuilt it. Well, we've underbuilt homes for the last decade. What did we do in the prior decade? We overbuilt them to a historical level. We didn't underbuild homes in the last decade. We digested the overbuilding of the previous decade. And you can just see it in the data. I'm not jumping to conclusions here. You can just see you track the normal amount of homes being built with the birth rate, and we're right on track. If anything, we're a little oversupplied. Well, why can't anybody buy a house? Because houses became a public equity type of asset class at some point, thanks to 0% interest rates for 15 years. People go, what do you mean? Bonds weren't paying anything. You could buy a house, which is almost like owning a bond, right? And you could lend that out at a six and a half, seven and a half percent cap rate, something like that. And 10-year treasuries were paying you two, two and a half. Thank you, Fed, once again. So it really is remarkable. I, it, and like I said, the housing one is one of the funniest ones to me. You just see this meme and everybody just accepts it. CNBC, well, the housing short. There is no housing shortage. There's just not. Go look at the data. I'll challenge you. Go look at the data. You can't contort the data in a way that says there's a housing shortage. Now, when I say we're slightly oversupplied, that could be understated. Maybe we're a little. My whole point is if you look at the data and you look at population growth and all that kind of stuff, the data currently shows you being a little bit above trend, but you're right by it. You're certainly not underbuilt like they're saying. It's just, that's just not it. But Look, that doesn't that doesn't stop it from from ramping up home builders. <laughs> I just don't I just it it is really something it is really something to behold. The other thing, even in a rising interest rate environment, you go look at the best performing stocks, they're the, all the most ridiculously valued this year. While their growth rates collapse. I'd go through stock after stock after stock with you and sit there and show you single digit earnings growth rate with, you know, maybe low double digits, uh, low double digit revenue growth that has declined, you know, that's a third of what it was three years ago. And the multiple on the thing is blown out to where it was three years ago, if not higher in a lot of cases. It's mind numbing. Another one that's running, our old friend Boeing is back on the charge. That thing has just gone ballistic. Uh, let's see. Where are we at on that one? This one cracks me up because it's still a garbage company. Uh, yeah, you're back to uh, – let's see. Pull that up on Boeing. You're back to a level on Boeing that we haven't seen since March 1st of 21 when you could get – you could finance an airplane at half of today's current rate. Labor costs have gone up. Boeing's going to eat those. Input costs have gone up. Boeing's going to eat those. Rates have doubled. Boeing's going to eat that. Stock loves it. It's just amazing. People are like, well, they fixed. They haven't fixed anything at Boeing. They still have the same management in place. The only guy they got rid of is the top guy. His understudy. I mean, they. They. This is the same company doing the same garbage and the same crap that they were doing when. Airplanes went down. They haven't learned a not a single lesson. And if they, you work at Boeing and you think I'm being unfair, save it. Don't don't waste time. I don't think I think the people at Boeing are phenomenal. I think the management stinks. I think the management is borderline criminal. Borderline. Notice I didn't call them criminals because I just think they're incredibly irresponsible and I think they're a joke. I don't think that they're doing anything that's necessarily illegal. I mean, I, I think they got off remarkably light for what occurred just because they've got a lot of ties into D.C., baby. There's a lot of D.C. politicians, right, that, 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 that drink off that gravy train. But I, again, just in, 
Everybody's like, oh, look at Boeing's backlog. Boeing always has a massive backlog. We had the same conversation in 2018, 2019 when I was telling people to get out of that stock. It, it just, it's remarkable. It's just remarkable. Not to mention the other last time Boeing had, I, I, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but the last time Boeing stock price was here on the way up, you know, its revenue was better. Its earnings were obviously way better and it had $30 billion less in debt than it currently does. But just nothing matters. And this is where we got to start entertaining the inverse. This is also where we've obviously got to manage risk. Okay, because we, we, we're going to get into this discussion in the next segment here. But why is risk management so important? Yeah, it's because everything's so high. But you also have to entertain the idea that it can keep doing that. Right? This market is detached from fundamentals. Do I think it's going to last? No. But what's my job to do? Right? If it, my job is to keep our clients growing their assets and outpacing inflation. And when you see moves like this year that fly in the face of everything, not what pundits said, not what forecasters said, but it, when it flies in the face, and, and I just keep going back to Apple because it's one that you all know, and they've got a hundred different examples of it. But when a company's stock goes up by 50% on the tail of the worst four quarters it's ever had, a record four quarters of declining revenue and earnings, and interest rates double and that stock goes up by 50%, it tells you it tells you something is going on, right? It tells you that there is, and people go, no, it's the market looking forward. Really? Well, then why was Apple priced like this at the end of 2021? If the market's looking out 18 months ahead, it couldn't see four quarters of declining earnings happening. Maybe this market has become untethered from fundamentals. And here's why risk management is so important. If it has, and if this market is just sniffing out greater levels of inflation on the come, right? Because that maybe that's it. And I think the pe thing that people forget is remember with inflation, it's going to make things worse, but by definition, revenues are going to go up. Even though the companies might be making less profit, even though people are really struggling, even though the culture is disintegrating beneath your feet, revenues go up. So, so do stock prices, generally speaking. And on a fundamental basis, looking at the way this market's behaving this year, that's sort of one of the only conclusions. If it's real, right? Assuming this is real and it's not just a peak bubble. And this gets me back to what I was telling our clients, you know, going into this, where I was like, look, we're going to have periods of underperformance. We're going to have periods of outperformance. Um, and they go, well, why do you think that, Zach? And I go, because it's been the longest bull market in US history and people are going to panic buy tech on every dip because that's what's worked for 15 years. And here we are. That's exactly what's happened. And I remember saying, you know, this is the mother of all bull markets. So it'll probably produce the mother of all bear market rallies. And if we're right, that's why I think these levels are so interesting because you're pushing up. The NASDAQ is still a little bit below its high, but the S&P and the Dow are just flirting perfectly with their highs. And everything seems to be migrating back to its all-time high and is really hitting resistance there. But if you break through that and go, I think you could see a monstrous move higher. And just on market internals and market technicals, and risk management is the only way. How do we ride it and yet still have some type of insurance in the books? How do we ride it and still protect ourselves from when it comes apart? Because here's the other thing that's scary about markets that do this. When markets become untethered for fundamentals, it's never for forever, right? There's a moment where reality hits and then you open up a trap door and that's when you could see. And I think you're flirting that. I think you look at the level of the VIX right now. I think you look at valuations. I think you look at leading economic indicators. Um, I, I wouldn't make an odds on bet it's going to happen because these things don't happen very often. But I think you're creating an increasingly fragile and brittle market by the day. And think of it this way. Once everybody gets their money in, there you know, there's no new money to put in, right? And then things people start pulling it out, and then things collapse. Um, and that's why I think risk management. I, you know, I, a market like this. They, I mean, just think about this: if this market dropped thirty-five, forty percent from here, you'd still be looking at a market that's trading above the long-term average valuation level of sixteen times earnings. Which is what with earnings heading in the wrong direction. It's just, 
it's remarkable. And I think risk management is going to be the only way forward, guys. And if that interests you, which it should, give us a call, 866-779-RISK. You get 866-779-RISK. And I'll tell you, we, you know, these indexes break out new all-time highs, especially the NASDAQ. We will flip and get longer than NASDAQ with those short protections in place because you got to. I hate admitting that. I don't want to do it. It's intellectually disgusting and laughable. But it's all part of risk management. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta hedge the right tail. We gotta hedge the possibility of prices going way up, even if it seems ridiculous to us. Just like we have to hedge the possibility of loss. So we'll be back. I'm gonna tie this up real quick with being the devil's advocate. Stick with this. Oh yeah, and and guys, if that re- the problem here is, is that as markets go higher, people get less concerned, and it's the exact opposite way they should think. And yet, I know it is because we've had. What did we add? About 40% less incoming calls than we did last year when markets are falling. And look, I'm always going to accept those new clients in. We like new business, but I'm always sitting there going, good God, if you didn't switch what you were doing last year and you're sitting there doing the same old thing this year, call us. Call somebody for God's sake, especially if you're close to retirement. Okay? Don't be that typical investor. Remember, you want to be a contrarian. You want to be greedy when others are fearful. You want to be the guy buying the dips, not the guy buying the rips. Right now, you're all buying rips. And to you, everything's fine until price drops. That's when you decide to make a move. Don't do it. There's a better way. Give us a call, 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com, bulwarkcapitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. Stick with us through the break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe, knowyourriskradio.com. Do better in bull markets. Do better in bear markets. Pay less fees in all markets. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. You can subscribe to Zach's free newsletter, The Bulwark Insider Report, at knowyourriskradio.com. How many times in recent memory has your financial advisor not reacted to current events and also not made a change in your investment portfolio? Now, think about all the volatile events during that time that have threatened your retirement. That's Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital and host of the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Todd, we talk about it all the time, risk management. It's our number one focus. We actively manage every portfolio daily, looking for opportunities to lower risk, lower cost, and give you as much upside as possible. Let us show you how Bulwark's risk management strategy can protect that retirement you've worked so hard for. This is exactly why you need Zach and Bulwark Capital in your corner. You only get one retirement. Learn how Bulwark does it with their free common sense investing guide. Call 866-779-RISK or simply go to knowyourriskradio.com. That's 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advisory services offered through Tech Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital Management. And we are back. Thank you for sticking with us. Okay, I went too long in that previous segment. Shocker. And we got to make this one really, really quick. But let's entertain the other side. And this is what I'm thinking about, guys. With this market action, I really only see two things that could happen where you look back 12 months from now and you go, okay, that made sense for the market to go up like this. Okay. The first thing would be an explosion in productivity, maybe stemming from AI. Now, I think that is horrifically unlikely because even the people leading AI are like, whoa, pump the brakes, right? It's the valuations have soared. I, it, it just doesn't have that look. It's going to take some time to figure out how to roll this out to people and get, we've already seen teams, Microsoft, um, having decreasing interest in adding an AI component to their team's subscriptions. You're seeing dropping AI searches on Google, not saying it's not going to be anything. It's going to be impactful. It's just going to take time to roll it out. But let's hold that out there because we could be wrong. Don't see how, but we could be wrong there. That's the one thing. The other thing is this market sniffing out significantly higher rates of inflation. That That's the only thing that makes any sense. Like I said, that's how rare what you're seeing occurring is. 
because things aren't falling off a cliff. It's not like Zimbabwe. I don't want to be hyperbolic, but think of Zimbabwe. It had like the best performing stock market of my lifetime because it had hyperinflation. Now, I'm not saying we're going to hyperinflate. I'm not saying that. But, you know, if the, if 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 8 to 10 to 11% inflation was on the way in the next two years, maybe you got to – maybe that's what this is. Maybe that's the market starting to sniff that out, and that's possible. The Fed has botched this from the beginning to the end. So – and I've said from the very beginning, I think they're being reckless. I don't think they're pulling on the liquidity fast enough. And I think that I think they attacked it from completely the wrong angle. I think they could have done way less cuts and focused more, way more, excuse me, way less raises and focused more on extraction of liquidity and calm things down a lot because I seem to, they seem to be underplaying the interplay between equity markets and inflation. And there's a strong link, but that's it. Or or this is, you know, like I was saying, this is just the apex of a, a ridiculous bubble. Either way, guys, risk management is going to be the way to move forward. Here's the other crazy thing. If this market is sniffing out inflation, it's doing it in exactly the wrong stuff it should be doing it in, period. It's all the stuff. It's all the high multiple nonsense, negative cash flowing stuff that gets killed. That's what's running. That's another reason that leads me to believe that this thing ain't over. This ain't a new bull market. This is a new trap door that everybody's tab dancing on. Could we be wrong? Yeah. And that's why we're not net short. That's why we're managing risks the way we are. That's why we're setting up employee or, or, you know, our client portfolios. Now, have we done it perfectly? No. But if you add in, you know, last year and this year, a perfect example, as of right now, I think we're trading the market from the beginning of last year to right now. I think we're trailing the market by 4%, something like that. Cause we were only down nine last year. We're up two or three this year, something like that. Markets up to anyway, you do the math on it. And I think we're like three or 4% behind. And I'll just be honest with you. I'll just tell you, yeah, we're lagging a little bit, but market was down 21 last year. We were down nine, right? Limit those down, limit those downswings. And the only way to ride this and not get ruined is risk management. It's the only way. So give us a call 866-779-RISK and 866-779-RISK. Go to the radio show website, knowyourriskradio.com or capitalmanagement.com. You guys know the drill. We'll see you back next week. You're listening to Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. Thanks for listening to Know Your Risk Radio with Zach Abraham, Chief Investment Officer at Bulwark Capital. Whether it's preservation of capital or an aggressive growth strategy, every investor needs a clearly defined risk profile. Schedule your free risk review with Zach Abraham now at knowyourriskradio.com. Zach will be back with more Know Your Risk Radio next Saturday at noon on 97.3 Cairo FM and AM 770 KTTH. The opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.